Ravi here, along with the brothers Krishna and Arjuna. Do you like creepy shit? Because we got your fix with a look at this week's Lovecraft episode. Do you like funny shit? Star Trek Lord Dex has you covered. Do you like me? Please say yes. Krishna, this is by far your most mediocre. What? Intro. I think it's my best. Ever. It's to the point. It was succinct. It was it was attention grabbing. It's true. Uh it was short and sweet. To the point. We can get right into it. Yeah, we can. <laughs> Guys, bros. Bros before hoes. Oh wow. Brothers, we are talking Lovecraft Country, episode five. The goriest wow. episode. Wow, 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 wow. Fuck me. Uh yeah, basically. Um this episode by far was by far, I think, it, it, two things stuck out. It was the goriest, mm-hmm. and it was the most visually, it's one of the most, it's probably the most, the best visual effects I've, like, seen to date. Let me throw out a question. Sure. And you know, I'm all about the hyperbole. Yes. Yeah, I'm all about, you know, this is the greatest quesadilla I've ever had. Sure. Yes. And then one week later, I'll say the exact same thing. Yes. I'm, I'm a very much live in the present moment. That's good. That's healthy, they say. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> is this the most shocking thing you've ever seen on television? Now, I'm not talking about movies, uh, but in terms of a fictional television show, is this episode the most shocking thing you've ever seen? Because for me, and of course it's recency bias, but I think I have to say yes. I don't think I've ever seen anything more shocking. I'm going to say, well, when we, I guess we have to break down like shocking. Are we talking like shocking in terms of just like gory? You. Just to you. Or like the psychology? Or just just whatever, whatever you latch on to. Sure. To me it is because it hit both of those things. Uh, the, the special effects mm-hmm. were some of the best I've ever seen on television. And the weird stuff that was happening, you know, and we'll get into it obviously, spoiler alert. Was some of the weirdest shit I've ever seen on television. Well, it's funny. It's funny, real quick. When you say some of the best visual effects, because I agree, the whole metamorphosis stuff was visually incredible. But it also had one of the worst visual effects in the dream sequence with Tick, where the house is on fire. Oh, and, yeah, sure. And that fire, I, you know, this, I, I this might I, be. I said it. I was like, this, after effects. This yes. might be hyper, like hyper, hyperbolic, but it's like. Pinnacle eight, like <laughs> the fires that you see in like a Lego movie type of. You know it why? Was I, you know why I loved it? Because it was a dream, and I love yeah. that. I love that it looked yeah. so fake because it was a dream. And when all the shit that was happening in real life, I was like, "Well, I mean, what happened was, you know, production-wise, they didn't obviously shoot that scene when they did two, so they had to recreate the set virtually, <laughs> and." That's why it looked the way it did. Or it was a creative choice. Because <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Bad. This fire burning did not look this bad in episode two. <laughs> I think it was, I think what Arjuna, or what Krisha said, where it, it's a dream sequence. So I'm going <laughs> to pretend like it was a creative choice. Yeah. But to answer Krisha's original question of, question of, was this the most shocking? Like on television. On television. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to say no. Okay. The what still, it, what the still, you put above it, though? Yeah, the still the most shocking thing I've ever witnessed in my can we call it a career now? Yeah. In my time of watching tele- television, is still by far the end of game season one, Game of Thrones ending of the first season. That ending Ned where Stark? where Ned Stark's head gets cut off yeah. is still super shocking to me because when I watched Game of Thrones, you didn't know. I didn't know anything. I yeah. knew nothing about the books, yeah. and I I had been raised on television and story that was done in a more traditional sense where. Mm. The main characters, the good guys, they always come out on top. Yeah. So to see such a good character, air quotes here. The best character. The best character. Yeah. Get Morally his head speaking. his head chopped off. Yeah. 
in the first season. That was still by far that I will always remember that as the most shocking thing. And then I would say the 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 second most shocking thing, and this is more just because Red I'm a sci-fi nerd. Huh. Is uh, when Daniel Jackson dies in Stargate season six, season, season, five? season five or six, where fuck? he ascends. Oh that was God. the other part where I was like, because I was I was also much younger, <laughs> right? And I was very into Stargate. So I still am very into Stargate, but I w- I remember sitting there and be like, but he's one of the main characters. You can't do this. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say I was like shocked, as in like surprised. By yeah. what happened? No, yeah, I meant I meant but, more of a visceral but in ter- shock. But in terms of gore, right? Yeah. I think that's where you're going with gore on TV. I'll take another Game of Thrones episode. It is the end of season four, or episode nine, season four, where Pedro Pascal's character's head explodes. That to me is still probably that, the grossest because, like, it's you gross, see his head explode, right? but it lasts five seconds. This, this episode had long, yeah, but that's still that's intense. The, you know, no, I, I, shots. I know of some of the best special effects. Yeah, I've yeah, seen. I, I know, but that, also, that to me. That to me is also still when shocking. she takes her shoe and just rams it up his asshole. Runs up his ass over well, and over again. Well, she starts ramming it up his ass, and then she starts moving on to the fatty butt cheeks. I don't know if you <laughs> noticed that. Yeah. So it's just a gigantic, bloody mess. Yeah. Of pain. I'm just saying. I think it's. I'm gonna put it above both of those in terms of visceral. Like, and then I'm like, ah, I am grossed out. Well, well, so one of the other things that really grossed me out, and this is probably because I was a kid. Shaun of the Dead. It's a movie. <laughs> Shaun of the Dead. When they're in the, pu- it's this That's is a comedy. this is the climax of the movie, and this to me is still one of the grossest things. Like I still can't watch it. Is when the the glasses friend who's jealous of Sean. Uh, gets pulled out and oh, ripped to right. pieces. Right. And I was, uh, this came out in 2006 and I was like 14. And I was a pretty squeamish kid. That to me, like, as I didn't know it was coming, then you just see, like, his guts, his head <laughs> gets pulled off. I was like, no, like, that's still disgusting. Oh, that's great. So that, well, but, that's to, but to Christian's point, like, that's we, a movie. We, yeah, I, I know. said, I, I, know, I know, I know, we, I know. We bring up, like, all these gory things that we've witnessed over the years and we've seen these things, you know, throughout our. <laughs> you know, throughout our childhood into young adult to adulthood. Yeah. And to to your point, it was still pretty visually like, whoa, this is definitely kind of gross. Intense. But it was, you know, Lovecraft, I think, has shown us things right off the bat where we saw, you know, we, we've seen shows that discuss racism and you see, you know, you see certain things. You see groups being put down by other groups. You know, we've seen films about the Holocaust, we've seen films about racism, we've seen TV shows, all that stuff. This show still keeps taking everything you've seen and making it not seem visually or story-wise as bad as what you're seeing in Lovecraft, right? It keeps pushing that horrific edge to it. Yeah. Whether it be the racism, wherever it be the, the gore and, like, these monsters and these creatures, it keeps pushing that envelope and I thought, man, I thought probably like episode two or three, like after we'd seen everything visually, gore, racism, I thought, oh, it can't get much worse. <laughs> like in terms of like making you feel a little sick, they somehow keep no, pushing they the did envelope. It. They did it. And we still have five more yeah. episodes. It makes me nervous for the rest. Now I understand why episode four had so quote unquote lighthearted and funny. It was the. <laughs> you needed it's the, it. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the high before the love. Quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, but actually, there were some comedic parts in this one oh, too, yeah. especially yeah. with um, you know. I think Ruby was clearly the 
the central focus of the A plot, if you will, of the episode. And, you know, having her experiences as a white woman, uh, Hillary, I believe is what she <laughs> called herself. Uh, real quick, um, her white character, isn't she the, doesn't that look like the woman from episode one? It is. It it is. Episode two. Or the, episode, uh, uh, the, the woman with the guard dogs that yeah. they kind of knocked over, maybe killed. Uh, we can get, I want to talk about the metamorphosis in a bit. Um, but yeah, definitely the same character mm. there. But it was definitely comedic to see her kind of interact uh, in the department store as an assistant manager, try to like wear the white skin, but obviously still being a black woman underneath uh, did create some humorous and also very sad, <laughs> you know, um, instances with throughout the episode. Well, I think yeah. Let's let's dive into Ruby because she was definitely, I think, the the more interesting and a more heavily focused character and uh, storyline this episode uh right off the bat we got the big reveal that you know once we discussed it really on the podcast last week um i think it was kind of obvious that you know christina is william same person mm. um they go through metamorphosis i mean the nail in the head before the actual sequence was probably where christina was talking to ruby and Ruby says, you know, as a white woman, you just don't get it. I see how you all act. And it's very clear that Christine obviously feels some type of way in terms of this society where, you know, yes, you know, uh, African-Americans are clearly not treated equally. Women at that time period were also still not treated equally either. Um, so her being a white male makes sense in order to get what she needs done, done. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, metamorphosis. I mean, this entire episode was kind of about identity crisis, yeah, right? Absolutely. In terms of Ruby be, you know, having the ability to be a white female if she wanted to. Um, Montrose, right? Also, yep. yep. I mean, he had the big identity reveal, and then yep. even even like Tick and Letty, or like Tick's especially, like goes off and almost kills his dad at the very beginning of the episode. Uh, and he sort of has has an identity crisis, and Letty does too because she thinks she knows Tick, yeah. and she's frightened by this man, this anger, and this yeah. this completely different person you see at the beginning of the episode. So I think you just hit the nail on the head that the whole episode is definitely about identity and who you are. And I think some characters kind of embrace who they are by the end of the episode, and some still continue to pretend. Um, and I think. That's you know that's the interesting that's what's interesting about this show that they have themes and there's the very physical part of it right with the gross out metamorphosis but there's also the inner struggles of of who are you and who are you pretending to be whether that is through magic or <laughs> literally um, yeah yeah and, and so I, I think it creates an interesting discussion I think like from the the magic standpoint you at least I think you know especially with a show like this these aren't the only two characters who aren't who they appear to be. Mm. You know, I think there is more to, you know, who else isn't who they necessarily appear to be. Before and actually, let's uh, let's jump in on that because the police chief obviously mm. plays an important role. He owns this lodge that it sounds like used to be, quote, Williams. Yes. So, so, in, so from dialogue and basically from Ruby also being a character we've seen before, they can, they can only transform, I would assume, into people that are real. So the way that Christina described William, he was a real person who she was close with. The chief did shoot him, and he did die, right? Remember, she has a conversation of, like, yeah, he shot him in the back, and, you know, he th she thought he died, but I brought him back. Yep. The way she brought him back was by being able to transform into his skin, literally. Um, 
so that makes me think that the the woman that Ruby is turning into, Hillary, who we saw earlier, is probably dead, I would assume. And that's how she's transforming into her. So could we see other characters? Could we see Tick transform into Uncle George? Could we see Christina transform into her dad, right? The Grandmaster Wizard himself. Um, or, or characters already done that. Is Mon- you know, we know Montrose has more than we you know, done more than we know. Is that actually Montrose? Right. right? That or is be, it somebody else? Could it be yeah. somebody else? That's very true. Um, Montrose, the real Montrose might be dead. Right. Yep. But going back to going back to what you're saying with the police chief, it you know, he certainly there was a there was a shot that he had his shirt off and he had the darker skin torso. Yeah. Uh, and you could see kind of the sew lines there. And I assume that's from the doctor um from episode um two yeah or, or episode three yeah where they bought the house the one who was doing all the experiments he must have been part of those experiments or do you them. think or do you think maybe he got stuck in between right you don't know like a metamorphosis thing that the police chief is stuck halfway through maybe and then speaking on the police chief obviously we know that ruby goes into this lodge to, to drop what i imagine is some kind of listening device <laughs> the rock thing <laughs> cool <laughs> magic um but obviously she has to hide in a closet with a guy whose neck, I believe, is somewhat slit. Yeah. And he's, he's bleeding out. He's bleeding out. What's the per- Like, what do we think is the purpose of that guy? Are they using his blood for something? Or uh, is I, he in trouble? I don't think it's necessarily... Sadistic shit. Yeah, I think it's just <laughs> to show that, that the captain is... A sadistic is sadistic as fuck, right? And he's yeah. he's part like he's clearly like knows of the order, but he's not even like he's too sadistic to even get into the order, right? So he does some weird stuff because that's, remember that's like think about that for a second. You have a, a bunch of wizards who are racist, <laughs> and they have their order, but there's some guy who they themselves think is too sick yeah. and fucked up to be in their own order. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. boy. That's, yeah, it, okay. it's 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 setting up, you know, I think a longer mystery for this season and maybe potentially for further seasons down the road in terms of We still don't know if there's another season coming. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know if this is self-contained or I get the impression it's going to be self-contained. I like kind of like, kind of like Watchmen I want it to be self-contained yes, because absolutely. I like these small little these, yeah. these 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 smaller stories. Mm-hmm. Um Going back to Ruby and her metamorphosis, so obviously she takes on this role of Hillary. She becomes assistant manager at the um, department department store. store. She obviously goes and discusses um, quite a bit with the uh, the 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 African American employee that's working there. Also, like tells her you know all these fun things. Um, what do we think about her her role there in terms of? Playing that character, going through, living the life that she wants, and all of that fun stuff, and then you know, at the very end, she brings it all down essentially, quite literally. I mean, it was a great, it's a great vehicle. I think, I think that story, that whole plot, is a great vehicle to explore the power of this metamorphosis. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to play a bigger role for anything else in the in the season. But that role, the whole department store plot line. Mm. Is a perfect vehicle for her to explore this power that she's been given, um, to see the limitations of what that power is, like how long she can last in it. If she doesn't take that potion, exactly, <laughs> exactly what happens. Right. You know, uh, her old self breaking through. Um, 
uh, I, you know, and so kind of like a lot of other elements in the sh in this in this season, it just shows it sort of creates the world, the the world building setting of the racism, the segregation, um, sort of, you know, and it's interesting. It's interesting because uh, the manager says that it comes down on a corporate level, right? That they had to get representation, right? That's why she. That's why the African American um, worker was. Uh, was hired, right? So that's a, that's an interesting nugget. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if that's going to play as important. It's going to play a role, but you know, that's a good piece of like at least on a corporate level, things were starting to change. You know, and it takes a lot longer, obviously, for individuals to accept those changes. Um, but I think it's great development for Ruby. Uh, great plot for showing the metamorphosis. I just don't think it's going to have too much bearing on anything else that happens in this season. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with what you said in terms of, I think the this episode was certainly like Ruby's episode to shine. She was certainly a character who hadn't yet been introduced to the magical elements, I would say. Actually, it's so funny you say that because yeah. uh, we're watching with Michael Learman, a yeah. great uh, friend of the podcast, and he said... Oh man, like she's pretty much like the muggle of the show. Right. And then two minutes later, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean pretty much. I mean they they needed to introduce her or you would assume because she'd been featured so much that yeah. she was going to get pulled into this world somehow. But it's interesting, she's obviously pulled in through Christina. Mm -hmm. Uh she kind of has a relationship with Christina too, and I think that's the interesting thing of metamorphosis like they had this like she had this relationship with William, yeah. which is just the skin of Christina. Does she still feel that same way? Um, Wait, Ruby or Christina? Ruby and oh. Christina. I mean, oh, both yeah. of them, right? Like, in terms of in terms of the metamorphosis idea, you know, you, we're talking about like sexuality, and in terms of that's actually a great point. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, uh, biologically speaking, like when your skin changes, like do your your desires and your biology would change, right? Would your hormones be different? So perhaps William, the William skin's attracted to Ruby, but maybe the Christina skin isn't. Right. See what the limitations are here, you know. Yeah, is, it, or is it all just in your head? Right. Well, that's that's the age-old question. That's yeah. the that's the that's the. It's the, a great it's a great question to play with. That's the you know that's the question people play with in terms of arguing if 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 any of that's you know about that that type of stuff. Yeah, and it's interesting because obviously then you have Montrose who yeah. is have has his own is its own issues as we kind of found out last episode with Tree making the reference to Tick um, with. Actually, you know what's really funny? Out with, I don't um, think Montrose has a single line in the episode. Well, he has, uh, except at the very beginning, he says like a couple things to that's, Tick. That's but I don't true. think he says yeah. another line afterward. You're, you're correct. It's all, it's all. So my, Michael K. Williams did all his acting just through facial expressions and, and under and under prosthetics too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of the of the eye, and yeah, he wasn't featured a ton in the episode, but he oh, impactful. It's very funny. impactful scenes um, that were done there. So. Incredible yeah, actor. Uh, yeah, I think Ruby's transformation was, you know, all about the physical and the emotional and mental and everything. I think she went through a lot, and it was almost like a solo character episode. And now that she's in this world, I'm interested to see how she's changed. Because, especially in her earlier, you know, appearances, you saw, like, she obviously works really hard. She has, like, the resume she brings in is her actual resume, right? Like, yeah. she has all these courses was never accepted. And then when she's white, she's like, wow, you become assistant manager, right? Even yeah. though it's the same resume. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think she tried out that skin because she felt like the skin color was holding her back. Of course. But now, you know, living in that skin, 
she doesn't want to be that. She wants to be Ruby. She doesn't want to be anything else. I love I love Ruby's I love Ruby's line about um, how how she says like I I'm just tired of getting interrupted. Yes, I love that. She's like she she's she's maybe of all the characters in the show is the most driven. Yeah, she has like a clear single goal, and she's just she's all about that driving toward that. You know, she's like stepped on some people along the way. You know, or not stepped on them, but like. She doesn't mind whose feathers she ruffles. Right. And so I, lo- I just love that's like such a great line for that character. Like, I'm tired of getting interrupted. Right. Ruby interrupted. Stop interrupting me. Yeah. yeah. Ruby interrupted. So, yeah. Wonderful. It's, it's going to be, in- I'm really interested to see what they do with her character and like where she goes next. Yeah. Um, she might be my favorite character. Especially, and in, in, in how is she going to, like, you know, uh, interact with our main characters, like with Tick and Letty uh, and Montrose and, yeah. and all of them, you know? Because they all, they're all bringing different elements of this magic right. together. Like, they all have, they can all, they all know and do different things. Right. So, it's really setting up to be, I think, uh, yeah. an Infinity War endgame end uh, scenario. <laughs> they all come in and they'll all be like, I have the power of metamorphosis. I have the power of... Well, what's interesting to me is we assumed that Christina slash Willing was getting close to Ruby to get into the yeah. Winthrop house. That's right. But it doesn't, at least from this episode, since Letty and um, Ruby had their falling out, it doesn't appear that Ruby is staying at that house anymore. It seems that she moved out. Yeah. So I am, I'm interested to see what Christina's endgame is with Ruby. Is it to get towards Letty and Tick? Or is there something else there? Um I'm curious. Or maybe or maybe it, she actually does uh, have feelings or has developed a connection with the character. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, very, lots of interesting questions. And you know what? Uh, HBO does a great job, so you'd have to assume it's probably Shades of Grey, a little bit of all of it. All of the above. <laughs> right. You know. And the big mystery that Ruby kept asking the episode was, is what's in the basement? What's in the basement of Christina's house? That's a great Something question. that keeps that cat's brought up multiple times. But it's never answered. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, so it's obvious. Uh, one of one of the many mysteries in this. I show. think it's obvious. It's a, mag- ma- a magical laboratory. <laughs> it's all the William skins. <laughs> oh, oh God. Uh, uh, no, it gave me kind of a get out vibes though with the the basement and the. Uh, actually, so yeah, uh, yeah, we should talk about that actually real quick. Um, one unique feature of this show is that every episode has felt a little bit different. Yes. Um, so last week we got the Indiana Jones. Uh, the first episode was, uh, you know, like pick some sh- show or movie about racism, and that was about that. You know, this episode was very much like uh, gore horror. You know, but like actually, Get Out, Get Out is a perfect. Um, it's kind of a get gory, out-esque. a gory Get Out because uh, Get Out is all about Identity, inhabiting, yeah. inhabiting yeah. white people inhabiting <laughs> these other bodies, right? Uh, so very interesting. White people inhabiting black bodies. Yeah, this is black people inhabiting white bodies. Right. Well, Do you think they took anything from Get Out for this, or? I mean, I would imagine. I mean, Jordan Peele is an EP on the show. Him, so. along with every other producer in Hollywood, like isn't J.J. Abrams? There's like a million. I think Brad Pitt might be. I don't know. On the show, no. It's J. On this show, yeah. It's J.J. and Jordan Peele's the two big. Why do you think oh. Brad Pitt was the producer on this? He uh, produces so other stuff. Brad Pitt, I produced something else then that was either on Netflix or HBO. He recently. did Lower Decks. No, I'm kidding. That's misinformation. Uh, yeah. So what's in the basement? I think that's going to be the big one. I thought for the basement it was just strictly a place to go and do metamorphosis. 
I thought that maybe too, but I think there's more to that. Yeah. Mystery. No, because Ruby keeps asking, keeps asking mm. about it. So if the reveal was, oh, I just go there to change skins, that would be like such a letdown. You'd be like, well, what's the point of, what was the point then of dry, like asking that question multiple times? Like, yeah. well, or, well, what's the point of even? Well, the other, well, I answer. think that was already been answered because like when uh, William enters the house, he's clearly on his way to the basement. Yeah, but it's gonna be it's gonna be more than just changing skins. And also, why would he need to go to the basement to do it? Like, it, that's stupid. Like, go to do the you bathroom. see how messy this process is? Well, here's you my probably question. want a dedicated space. Here's yeah, my question. That's stupid. Here's my question. Does the skin, like, dissolve over time? Or does it just stay there? I hope not. I hope it stays there. Because if that's true, you know, and she, like, transformed in the basement of the department store, been in that alleyway. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that become a new story of just, like, pounds of flesh appear in alleyway? Yeah, the fact that we haven't seen any news reports or newspaper articles or, you know, police investigating the, the, the sudden mysterious appearance of uh, pounds of flesh just lying all over the city probably means that it disappears. Uh, that's what I would assume. Yeah. I, I thought because they, they had a shot where it stayed on a piece of skin, so I thought it was going to just, like, disappear. Yeah. Probably How disgusting was it, too, when Ruby was, like, had shedded and she still had, like, a piece yeah. of the face on her. On her Blood, head. flesh, uh, marrow. Yeah. Like, God knows what else. Like, uh, gross AF, but yeah. incredibly effective. Yeah, shout out to the actress, Wunmi uh, Mosaka, for enduring what must have been disgusting amounts of stuff oh, on yeah. you. Um, it helps, though. Yeah, I mean, it helps the you get gr- into the, the, the most, The more realistic the yeah, props are, of course. the easier it is to act. It was, it's completely true. That's why also, all the MCU movies suck, because it's all just a blue screen. <laughs> yeah. And they're just wearing, like, foam. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. I am Iron Man. No, I actually feel like a, I feel like a kid at I'm, Halloween. I'm three years old. Yeah. They should get kids to be in those movies. I swear they'd be better. Yeah. <laughs> they have stronger imaginations. It's true. So, Letty and Tick. Uh, obviously, we saw that Tick kind of went nutso when he clearly learned of... Um, Yahima? Yahima's death. And Letty didn't realize it. So, you know, it's interesting because there were, there were visual signs in the room. You could see the blood on his hands. They show, when they showed a shot of them coming in where the seat was, you could still see some red on the floor, right? And I think Tick is observant enough and knows enough about his dad to know that he killed her and yeah. got rid of the body, yeah. which is obviously why he had that, re- that, um, that reaction. And I think part of it's also PTSD. From the war. Also, his dad beat him. You're right. So, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like a lot of pent-up feelings. A lot of pent-up right? feelings. And Montrose doesn't fight back. Montrose no. just takes it. Yeah. I, I, in, in my mind, especially with Montrose's uh, journey in the episode, he, he's, he did that to protect his family, but he's willing, he's willing to die at that point because he doesn't fight back. Uh, he, Tick is going to kill him. If Letty did not step in, Montrose would be dead, right? Um, and he does nothing to to fight back. And then I think what you see later with him coming to terms with his, you know, a little bit of his sexuality, um, you know, kissing Sammy on the lips, uh, it's because I think Montrose has basically lost everything at that point. He he can finally be who he right because he has nothing to potentially to, to lose. Be. He yeah. feels like the relationship with his son is probably over. Yeah. Um, he you know everything with the mm. the magics the 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 magic the magical wizards is <laughs> uh, it's gonna be a better term for is these over because he's he's burnt the book he's killed the he's killed the girl he got rid of those pages, um so he's like that's done you know like I've done what I can. Um, he doesn't know his son very well. 
It's never done. Right. <laughs> it's not over time. Because his son is going to continue searching for, yeah. for whatever this hey, is. Actually, we've got to talk about that real quick because his son, obviously, t- his son, Tick, is, decipher- is deciphering the symbols. Yes. We need to talk about that because I got a little lost here. Yes. First of oh, all. Oh, like the show, Lost. Yes. The ring. Yes. Where did that ring come from? The ring came from, it was the one Christina put on Tick's hand before they did the ceremony in episode two. Thank and that's you. what okay. saved him and caused the everybody Rift. to die yeah. and, and kill everyone, essentially. And, and, and near the beginning of the episode, or the middle of the episode, he's like deciphering it, and he thinks it's the initials to his name. Yeah. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. But it actually spells the word die. die. Yes. yes. So what, he got the translation wrong, or he just didn't figure it out? Or like, yeah, How did I he think, fuck up that I bad? think, well, I don't know. Like, that's, I think it's... I'm not entirely sure on how he's deciphering it. Yeah, wh- but clearly, what's the cipher? I think it's it's the pages that they got from the boat. Is it the photographs of the yeah, pages? Yeah, the photographs. The, the pages are destroyed, right? right. And the, and Letty took photographs. Yeah, of she had developed the film. Um, but whatever it is, it's scary enough for him to call the woman um, from the war, uh, whose name is okay. G- Gia, I think. Ja? Or, Gia? or Gia, Gia. Yeah. But what, what, okay, and this woman, obviously, this is the woman he called at the end of episode two? Or episode, episode one, one or two, yeah. One or two. This is the woman he called. Yes. Who is this woman? Is this the woman uh, in the flashback that was trying to kill him and that he killed? Obviously, it can't be. I think it's the one that was in episode two, the one that. In the flashback? In the, in, well, not, it wasn't a flashback, it was the. The illusion. The illusion, right? Yeah. I think that's the same woman. Okay. Um, I saw the preview for next week, and it's gonna focus. It's a it's a prequel episode that's uh, focusing all on the war, the war, sure. and his time with this woman. Okay, all right. Um, well, so, that, so we're so gonna get a lot. It'll, it'll we're gonna get a lot question. more answers to that. Perfect. Um, but there's certainly something that she knows. Yeah. Okay. Um, Dope. So um, I guess we'll see what happens there. Okay. Thanks. Because yeah, that stuff. The stuff with Tick and Letty. And they're in, the, you know, like they're very much like the the archaeologists of this of this group. Like mm. they're finding artifacts, deciphering artifacts. They're finding, you know, undead, um, you know, ancient people who have been mummified and then come back to life. Like clearly, that's their role. And so it gets a little confusing about what they've found, where they are in their quests, you know. And so it's, it's good to to recap that stuff. Um, I forget what I was going to say now. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's great. That's great. One character we didn't see at all this episode who had a cliffhanger in the last episode was Aunt Hippolyta. Yes. Remember, she discovers Uncle George's cipher on the map, and we assume she's on her way to, on the, way to the rubble where Devin? Uncle George died. The, the town? The town of... The town, or oh, the house, potentially. The, yeah. The house where everything happened. Uh, and I would assume from previews from next week's episode, we won't get any answers to that either. So... Bit of a cliffhanger there in terms of what's happening with, with Aunt Hippolyta and, and uh, the, the daughter, their daughter, yes. the comic book artist. Co- right, we need more comic books. And we know that she has the planetarium thing, correct? She has, she has the. Um, it's not. A, it's the O. It begins with an O. The O. She has the O. The O. Yes. But that golden thing with the planet. She has the tool that Christina is looking for. Right. For and now she's going back to the origins of the house. And correct. But we. I don't think she has it with her. I, I mean, that would. Be, I mean, yeah. Why would you carry that around? Yeah. Essentially, mm. yeah. So, lots of questions, lots of mysteries on on the show. I guess with Montrose, you know, what did you guys think of the reveal that um, he is in a relationship with Sammy? We know it was teased last week with Tree. 
Um, <laughs> I didn't expect. I didn't necess- I didn't think it would be confirmed so quickly. Um, and it was interesting, and I thought it was interesting. And as you pointed out, Christian, though he didn't say anything at all through the episode. That was my favorite part of it. Um, and so we kind of see this character. What, like, did you? Were you surprised it came so quickly? Um, what do you think of their relationship? And how is it going to play out? Mm. Especially like now we know that Tick is still obviously in deep on this, and we know Montrose is going to come back some way. Um, but how is it? going to affect his relationship with Sammy. Is Sammy now going to be pulled into this world as well? Yeah, that's uh, those are great questions. I I loved how it was done. Um cuz it was it's all it, Montrose is just watching this stuff happen, you know, and then through his his actions, you know, he you can see him just accepting it, right? Coming to terms with it. So I loved how it was done. Uh I don't nothing about it was surprising. I think this feels like a natural place to put it in, like you said, because he has he just got almost beat half to death by his son. What 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 better time I guess to really figure out who you are than that, right? So you might as well. So um I don't know how it's gonna play out. Uh I think it's gonna right. end up it's probably gonna end poorly, isn't it? Because like think about it, right? So this you know, Montrose finally accepts who he is, you know, has someone who like loves him, he loves that person. His arc is over. His no, no, no. What I mean by that is like oh, I think his. I, know, I, I think his. Um, I think what's going to happen is ultimately is him having to protect the family is going to get in the way of his relationship or put that relationship in in jeopardy or put Sammy in jeopardy or in harm's way. Mm. I think that's what's going to happen because yeah. it seems like you know we need drama. So. <laughs> we, need, we need we need it we need it we this, need sh- it. this show needs more it needs yeah. more drama yeah do we think though it leads to you know obviously uncle george with the reference that maybe you're not the dad of tick does this make tick question his parentage a little bit more yeah if, if and it, when he finds out oh absolutely i think um you know uh, it's gonna make him question it i think he's also gonna look back at the you know the the beatings he took at his dad's hands. You know, I don't know if Tick is going to accept the reason, perhaps some of that anger was misplaced onto him or displaced onto him, mm-hmm. but it's going to, ex- it might explain it a little bit, right? So we'll see. They're, it's either going to drive them further apart or bring them closer together, but it's clearly not going to stay the same, right? You don't, you don't have an element like that revealed in the show and expect that relationship to stay the same. It's going to do something. Maybe we'll do yeah. this and then this. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm very curious to see what happens here. Very curious. Krishna. Yes. Was Lovecraft Country episode five good? Not only was it good, it was the best episode of the season. The see the show this 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 episode was a metamorphosis. You know he says that every every week, right? That's not true. That's true. Because I didn't like episode two. So to me, the show went. But you still said it was good. Yeah, it was good, but it was my. It's been my least favorite episode so far. Episode two was my least favorite. Well, you're my least favorite episode. You're my least favorite brother. Wow. Whoa. Damn. <laughs> revelations how's that, today. How's that for character development? That's, that's intense. <laughs> that's some revelations there. Uh, I just have to leave. Uh, it's just too emotional <laughs> yeah. for me right now. Good. Glad. Uh, Arjuna was Lovecraft Country, episode five. Good. Yes, it was. Uh, my favorite show on TV right now. I uh, wait in anticipation every Sunday for the show. And uh, I'm sad we're halfway through the show, honestly. Yeah. Um, but it'll be it's an, it's been it's been a ride, and I can't wait to see where it goes. 
Uh, Ravi, was Lovecraft Country season one, episode five, good? Uh, duh. Yes. <laughs> God. Why was it good, though? It just was. It was a combination of gore, shock value, and uh, character development. Wow, wow, wow. Wait, wow. you hate character development. Yeah, I know. Like, you literally are like, character development is as bad as this fake CGI. <laughs> We gotta find a movie with just the worst CGI and all character development. Um, Sky Captain in the World Tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, There's no character development in that movie. Yes, there is. <laughs> uh, I don't remember it at all. The it's movie's like all talking. I bad. I, I don't. It's just don't a talking. It. Speaking of a show whose character development has only gotten better, mm. Star Trek Lower Decks. Yes, we is. got episode six. It was a uh, it was a good episode. It was an interesting episode where the Ensign Core group um, and the Lower Decks were mimicking and saying, you know, we Lower Decks stick together, you know, and that's a very Federation. That's a very Star Trek philosophy. We stick together mm. because we're doing it for the great of of, of everyone. Yeah. And in this situation, it backfired. Yes, it did. All over them. Yes. And potentially created. Some bad robots and AIs that are just going to run around yeah, I, I, and destroy I, the universe. I was thinking that several times. I'm like, both of these elements are going to come back. So, obviously, the the, the, hologr- uh, the holodeck uh, AI. Yes. that's a, First of all, great character. Badgy. Badgy. Looks like a badge. You know what's a play on, right? No. You remember uh, the old Office products, like Office 97, 98, that was Clippy? Oh, yeah. And Cliff, you were like, hey, I see you're trying to do this. You want some help with oh, this? And it was like an so assistant. Right. Microsoft Office. Yeah, exactly. So Badgie is a play on on, on, on Microsoft Office's Clippy. Oh, my God. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. So that, and then also the, was it a warp core? Warp, uh, was it a warp core? No, it was. Engine uh, core? It was, it was some, a core. It was a core of some type. Yeah. That fused with the mind Shield of. Shield core. A, uh, fused with the mind of an ensign. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a became, dumb ensign became like this AI thing, and I almost feel like uh, Ravi might understand this reference. There's something in Discovery called control. Yes, and it's like a, this AI intelligence that's a great threat in the future. And to me, wouldn't it be hilarious <laughs> if, if this was like the origin of control? Like this super dark evil threat in Discovery season two is like actually this like comedically stupid thing oh, in Lower Decks. Man. That gets smarter. That gets smarter, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or like It evolves. makes sense. But you know the problem is like, while that kind of makes sense to a degree, yeah. you know, the Trekkies would be, they would never accept it. I should though. It's hilarious. That, that leads me actually to, I think the maybe the most important question around this show. <laughs> Events that happen in the show and elements and characters, mm-hmm. are they going to affect the Star Trek universe. No. And they don't... So it's a, it's a separate thing. Right. Because it's you, a beta universe. Well, it's it has not, nothing to do with the Prime no, of the no, Alpha no, it's, 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 it's Omega. It's in... It's in it's Sigma. You have to remember the thing with these gigantic... Gamma. These gigantic like cinematic universes is that they create is Zeta. They are these big universes, right? Yes. And just because... I mean, look, look, look at it in the real world, right? We're here in Los Angeles doing our own thing, right? Uh-huh. There could be somebody on the other side of the planet in Australia doing the exact same podcast, talking about similar things. We don't know of each other's existence. Sure. There are common events like 
COVID yeah. that affect both sides and we're part of the same thing. It's the same idea, I think, within Lower Decks and the Star Trek universes. There are big common things that happen that all of the Federation know about. We know that the Borg attacked. We know that Jean-Luc Picard was taken by the Borg because they're like their big headline news pieces. I don't think that everything has to connect. No, but I do think I do think from this episode the control. The, the well, you know, let's call it the the beta pseudo control AI thing is something that could affect the greater Star Trek universe. In the first five episodes, I would say that event is pretty big. But to Ravi's point, everything else that's happened, like Absolutely. the the Cerados is basically like a, a D lister <laughs> starship, yeah. right? They go in to like clean up shit. They're, they're like the second contact team yeah. and all this type of stuff. So they're not doing anything that's going to move the needle. But having said that, I do think there are going to be events peppered in that are going to affect the greater universe. So here's, sure. here's, here's why I think this question is relevant. Because over the course of the season mm-hmm. of any television show, you need tension and action and climactic events to rise. Otherwise, the season doesn't work. Sure. Right? You need, you need – and you've got to end the season on a – Season finale. Right. Season finale needs to be kind of a big event. So if we're starting now to, uh, you know, and obviously this is only one episode, but if we're starting now to see potential, and that's all it is, right? And like Ravi said, easy to wipe your hands, throw it away. It's just it's a big universe. These things can't come back and affect the larger universe. But this is episode, what episode is this, six? And yes. It's episode six. And in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but things, you know, especially in a show like this, Tension has to rise. The stakes have to get higher. Otherwise, what's the point of even having a story? Right. right? Um, are you excited by that prospect that events in this show could potentially affect the greater universe? How pissed off are fans going to get that a show that's so tonally different than the rest of the Star Trek universe is going to have a bearing on that universe? And do you like that idea or do you dislike that idea? I like the idea because I've always felt in, of all the connected universes, I've actually always felt like Star Trek does it the best mm. because it's the most streamlined, right? The sure. MCU has superheroes, but like they're superheroes who are mutants and have magic, and like tonally, those things don't always mesh together, right? So it's really Absolutely. hard to like encapsulate. And there's thousands of superheroes, and they're like all saving the world, and they all have Earth-saving ability. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it becomes really hard. Star Trek. Um, you know, like Star Wars and like a lot of sci-fi's, it has space to play with, right? So it's infinitely large. But this, but Star Trek's always focused on the Federation, which is like the the space police, essentially. The and, United Nations and starships, right? And I think what they've done that's smart, especially with all their shows, um, is they don't is that they don't always take place at the same time or right next to each other, right? right? So the three shows that were really close together were obviously Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. Next Generation was a typical starship show where they were on a starship and they were exploring the universe. Then they started Deep Space Nine at the same time. So instead of them also traveling around space, they had them stationary on a... Uh, station, and they had a plot that was local to that station, including a, a war and events and stuff that was going on in that quadrant, right? Yeah. 
Then you had Voyager, which, oh, another starship. But instead of them being around the Federation, they go all the way to this other quadrant that's unexplored. And they are on an island by themselves. Right. Then you had Enterprise, which was all the way back, all the way before all of that stuff. Yeah. And they're the first starship. Then you have Discovery, which is like after the original series, but then now they're, you know, with a different ship. And now they're far, far into the future, away from everything else. Then you have like Picard, you know, so everything's, it's not all like next to each other and congested, right? Like the MCU, for example, right? Like things are like within weeks and months of each other, right? Where. Mm -hmm. It's all super close, and it's all on the same planet versus Star Trek. And I just feel like they do a good job of they have this stuff. You know, it's all together, but it's still separate, but it all influences each other. And they, they do a good job of, like Ravi said, referencing those headlines or those big events that really do affect everyone. Borg, right. you know, this war, this event, this starship goes missing, right? I, I guess think, like when Voyager goes missing, it's mentioned in a Deep Space Nine episode that – this starship is is missing from the Federation. My my question though is, I understand uh, conventionally, yeah, uh, and within the the actual plot of st- what is Star Trek, that makes perfect sense, right? But what about the idea though that you're taking a show that some might consider sort of the joke of the Star Trek universe, right? Yeah, it's this this comic comedic thing. I, I mean, at least I look at this as like a side thing from Star Trek. I, I look at it as separate because. I don't need to know Star Trek to get it. It's funny. It's not like Star Trek, traditional Star Trek, and that's why I like it. So some people might be looking at it like that, like sure. I do. So how would those people feel who are diehard Trekkies and maybe, I don't know, if you guys can actually answer this, how is the Star Trek community receiving this show? They like it so far. I mean, the other big thing is, Torjuna's point, no Star Trek series influences the other Star Trek series to the point where life changes drastically. Gotcha. Right? So Arjuna's joke of this, like, thing being control, I don't, like, if that happens, cool. Then we have an origin for it, and that's it. Yeah. It doesn't affect or change what we've already seen in Discovery or what we will see. And Star Trek series have never, ever... Especially when, like, in the 90s when we had, you know, the crossovers of, like, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and then Voyager. Like, none, none of those had any kind of big drastic impacts. Like, Worf, sure, went from Next Generation to Deep Space Nine. <laughs> right. And then reappeared in, oh, my God, what was it? Voyager? First, con- oh, no, first Contact. Mm. Um, but, like, beyond that, that's really it. Like, a character jumping around. But there's never been, like any kind of drastic major changes. Like, we may get a more updated Star Trek series that takes place after this, and it's more of the traditional, like, within the same realm of, like, Voyager, Next Next Generation, and Deep Space Nine. Star Trek, Lower Decks, adjacent. Right, but it it wouldn't be another Lower Decks. It would be, like, a a proper... It could be very well the next Next Generation, and it's the Enterprise F crew, whatever. So, so like, for example, this show takes place between Voyager and Picard, Right. Sure. Um, this is like ten years before Picard, but like two years after the end of Voyager. Gotcha. Um, so right, there are events, you know, that there's already a there is a live action show that takes place after the show, essentially, right? Right. And you know, are, are those shows going to cross over in any way? Uh, no. Or they're influence not, each other? Right. Mm-hmm. No, because they're they're totally different. They're they're talking about completely different things. There might be. I think what Lower Decks has proven is that they can. Um, they can 
ref you know they they can reference anything that's going on in Star Trek in a joking manner, and yeah. maybe they reference like John Luke Picard and what he was up to ten years before Picard, but it's a throwaway. It's not going to be like, and this is going to drive our entire plot, right? And vice versa. Like I don't think they're going to blow up Vulcan in <laughs> you know <laughs> lower decks unless unless they undo it. Like, it, it would be a gag. It would be a joke, Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Like, so. they'll blow it up, and then they figure out how to go back in time and make sure it never happened. Right. Which right. is which is great. Yeah, I'm just I'm just very curious because, you know, the show is so different than the rest of Star Trek. Tonally, that is. So, uh, you know, I'm just curious to see how it's being received by the, star- the Trekkies and, you know, if there are any plans to integrating it more than it already is. But it sounds like that's not even a question, really, because you don't need to do that. There is another animated show coming out, which is more uh, – it's more of a traditional children's show. It's going to be coming out on Nickelodeon. Oh, God. um, For (laughs) Star Trek. Are you guys going to be checking that out? Probably not. No, uh, because it's made for children. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a child. So Arjuna will be tuning in first you watched SpongeBob. I've seen you. I watched the original SpongeBob from 1999 to 2002. Yeah, the first three seasons, the golden years of SpongeBob. Yeah, this could be the golden years of Star Trek. How are you going to know unless you check it out? Because I was a child when those first three seasons of SpongeBob. Then why are you rewatching them? Because it was made for when I was a child, and I still like them. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Anyway, and it's it's also there's adult humor in there too. Yeah, what if the show has adult adult humor? I think this is strictly like a Nick Junior show. I mean, SpongeBob was a Nick Junior show. No, it wasn't. What was it then? It was just a regular Nickelodeon show. So it was never a Nick Jr. show. Nick Jr. is just for me. Anywho, I think we can all agree that this episode of Star Trek Lord Dex was good. It was good. Yeah. It was. I, I think it was the funniest episode, too. It was I, a great episode. I was definitely laughing a lot. Mm. I laughed. I like more, that. I love more each week than I laughed the previous week. That's good. That was great English, by the way. That is good. Uh, Badgie you. was voiced by, um, if, you, if you guys ever watched 30 Rock, um, the uh, Kenneth. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I actually was, know who that uh, is. Uh, was in the episode. Badgie by far is the best, and I, I do hope we see Badgie again. We have to. Like, it would be. No, real quick, there. real quick. If, if this show wants to, like, put its mark in the Star Trek universe, and, like, you know, <laughs> when they come up with the next next generation and it's the crew of the Star, Star, um, Starship Enterprise, like, F crew, if Badgie appears, I'm all for that. Oh, God. <laughs> Badgie seems like a local entity to the Cerritos, but yeah, probably probably right. Do you guys think know. we'll ever get a live action versions of our main characters? No, in, and uh, I think that's fine. Just keep it where it is. I kind of people, people said the same thing about Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, sure, but I haven't seen any live action versions. So I don't know what you're talking crazy. about. Give it a month. All right, I'll give it a month. Uh, moving into was it news and actually speaking on the Star Wars front here. Oh God! Recently, oh, no. a uh, here, we go. here we go. A particular actress from the the new Star Wars sequels, Daisy Ridley, gave us a little bit of a insight into <laughs> her character Ray's yes. uh, lin- parentage <laughs> and lineage, whatever the words are, and. Um, what, what do we think? Like, first do, of all, do we know what? Like, do we all know what she said? And yeah, who'd so, like uh, to bring correct, that up? Co- correct me if I'm wrong. I'm gonna attempt to take a stab at what she said here because I saw it briefly. She basically said, in a nutshell, what we've kind of have known about the new Star Wars trilogy from the beginning, that her parentage changed from movie to movie, and that even after wrapping up filming, she still didn't really know who her parents were. In fact, there was. Uh, she thought either early on in the process or in the middle of the process that her parent was going to be Obi-Wan. That so she was going to be an Obi-Wan, yeah. uh, a Kenobi. 
So, so how I deciphered it was in the pre-production and production <laughs> of The Force Awakens. <laughs> okay, that's Star which Wars is the first Episode one. Seven. Yeah, she was told by JJ and company at that point, "You're a Kenobi," which explains everything you hear in yeah. Force Awakens. Right. Neat. Yeah, explains explains a lot. Right. It explains why she's British. It explains. <laughs> why she, it explains. It explains why she hears Obi Wan's voice in her flashbacks. Correct. Right. Uh, it explains. Right. It, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And the you know, the Kenobi, you know, the Kenobi is obviously inherently intertwined with Skywalker, um, being the master of both Skywalkers. Then in Episode Eight, it obviously changed with uh, Ryan Johnson that you're nobody. So she's like, okay, cool. And she, she thought that. She was like, okay, it's okay cool. cool. So we're cool, going cool. with that line. I'm a nobody. Yeah, like, that okay, way. cool. Yeah, yeah. Then when JJ came back, she's like, am I a Kenobi again? Am I a nobody? <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and he's, like, he's like, no, but your granddaddy is Palpatine. And she's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And then, like, I guess near the end of filming, he's like, well, they might not like that. So maybe we're going to just shoot it and cover it just in case. But, like, if it doesn't work out that way. You know, we'll see. I'll, I'll let you know on the final cut, essentially. So my problem with this whole thing is not that the <laughs> you know the sequels once again prove that they just they just don't know what we didn't we did we there was we, no plan. We, there was no plan, which yeah. is fine, whatever. I guess my thing is like it's the lies. It's not that. It's like it's like <laughs> it's we lies. we look at know. Star Wars, we look at these films, and we want to be you know we want to be. Transported to this universe, we want to we want to believe, right? Yeah. You go to the movie because you want a, a sense of disbelief, right? You want to escape. You want to escape into a world. The problem is, you know, when you have a script or a trilogy or whatever, and you give it to an actor, a lot of these actors and actresses they want to know all the details, the backstory, because it helps them become that character. Right. When you take someone like Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, etc., and you kind of, you know put them down this path, then this path, then yeah. this path, and they flip-flop, flip-flop, flip-flop. They don't become that character because yeah. they don't or know. it becomes infinitely harder. It becomes insanely harder. Like, think of, like, you show up, like, think of it like you go to your job, like a regular job, yeah. and your boss tells you, today uh, your job is to um, mop the floors. Mm -hmm. That's your job. And it's going to be your job for the next X amount of time, forever. Be really, really good at it. But then you come in one day and they say, you know what? Actually, no, you're now an account executive. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like it's I know it's not like the, the perfect analogy, but yeah. it's like you're flip flopping so hardcore that, of course, when we go and we watch this film, we pick up on these weird inconsistencies where, you know, Daisy Ridley is really, really into the character. And you're like, yeah, I believe it. And then there's other parts where it's like you just shot that once and said, fuck it. Well, here's the issue. They tried too much to be like the original trilogy. They tried to mimic George Lucas's madness where he was changing his story, you know, on the day of the set. Here's the, here's the, there's two issues they forgot. <laughs> yeah. One, there wasn't one singular voice who kept changing their minds. It was many voices, right? Yeah. It was JJ and then Ryan Johnson and then JJ and then Kathleen Kennedy trying to be the overarching thing, but still giving powers to her directors. Um, all changing their minds throughout this whole process. <laughs> And two, when Star Wars was originally being shot, it wasn't a global phenomenon, right? Yeah. It was just some random 
space wizard story that came out. So people weren't, you know, closely watching for the continuity of like, oh, wait a second. They said, you know, Princess Leia had a British accent in this one scene and, and now she doesn't have one. What, yeah. What's going what on? What does that right? mean? What does it mean? People didn't care back then because they just, it was a visually impressive movie, you know? Yep. Like, movies weren't like necessarily brand new, but it was still like a relatively new, like, mass audience type of experience. Uh, they, they just, they messed it up on so many, on so many levels. And I just, I just hate the, what I hate is, is J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy and everyone at Disney coming out and being like, yep, this was the plan all along. Just be honest and be like, we didn't know what we were doing. We tried to make it work. This is what we had. Enjoy it or not. We still made the money. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> what you say? I would respect that. <laughs> the brutal honesty. I'd be like, yeah. I'd be like if they, if, if JJ came out, like held a press conference, yeah, and start off with that, and then just pulled out wads of cash, and yeah. just like, listen, I'm rich now, bitches. Go fuck yourselves. Yeah, I'm out. But JJ, but, yeah. but instead, instead of being like, yeah, we had this master plan, and like I wasn't supposed to come back for episode nine, <laughs> but it was all part of the. No, it wasn't. It wasn't part of the plan. Yeah. This was yeah. it, like it just just stop just stop trying to pretend it was something that it wasn't. And just be like, yep, this is what we did. If you like it, great. If you don't, whatever. We'll live. It's, uh, and I think, uh, and honestly, this has started since episode one. Is that the creators of Star Wars have let themselves be influenced too much by the fans. Where they let their vision just sort of go the direction of this fans of like, we, wa- we like this, don't do this. And so the, the, the creators of this... Like, George Lucas did it episode one, episode two, mm-hmm. obviously. I'm still always going to believe in Darth Jar Jar. That was going to be a thing. Uh, and and, and they, they took what Ryan, the backlash to Ryan Johnson's vision. They completely decided, that, oh, the fans didn't like this, so we got we to gotta pivot back to what they liked in Force Awakens and try and get back to that. And that's why you have the most disjointed trilogy maybe in movie history. So, you know, oh, at least that's definitely a huge element. I don't know if that's the whole reason, but I think that's a big reason. Uh, and like you said, because once it became a global phenomenon with all the eyes on it and the rise of the internet and Twitch and Twitter and YouTube and us and podcasts, you know, and articles and blogs and vlogs, just dissecting every little thing, breaking yeah. it down and then influencing the lore. Mm. Reddit. Reddit's the reason. Reddit destroyed Star Wars. No, social <laughs> media destroyed it. Yeah, Reddit. Uh, speaking on things that <laughs> they clearly don't have a plan for, still within, guess what, the Star Wars space, Wait. Uh, Obi-Wan uh. Kenobi series. So uh, more recently, a couple days ago, uh, Ian McGregor came out and said that there is only going to be one season of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Kathleen Kennedy also said something similar about a month ago. Uh, and as of right now, taping of this podcast, uh, it's supposedly going to be shot in spring of 2021. Yeah. The Obi-Wan Kenobi series has been spoken about more than I think anything else <laughs> in Star Wars history. <laughs> I mean, the the uh, idea for an Obi-Wan movie has been around since I think they were shooting episode three. Um, from from what I've heard and read, you know, him and George had a conversation about, like, what does Obi-Wan do in that in-between time? Um, and everything. <laughs> <Play> so, <cards. laughs> so it's interesting because you know, obviously, this you know, it, it makes sense that the show would be one season too because it's a limited. There's a limited amount of time and real estate essentially you have before he shows up in episode four, and after you see him in episode three. And this movie already has a time jump. It's set to take place eight years after Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. right? 
So it's limited time. You know he also murders Darth Maul. Oh. It's not murder. Murder means that you have the murder is uh, you're going with the intent to end someone's life. He went with the intent to end his life. No, he defended himself. Yeah, but he, in that battle, he knew someone was going to live and die, so he intended to kill Darth Maul. I don't know about that. He murdered him. That's okay. that's harsh. He straight up murdered him. He's a he's a Jedi. Jedi don't murder. He doesn't just, just look at the entire Clone Wars series. <laughs> Not once did they intend to murder all of those millions of people. You mean robots? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> robots are people too. Um, so it makes sense that it's one season. But he even, I mean, in this interview he had with ET, he said, <laughs> "This is the direct quote. As I understand, it's a standalone season. Pause. We'll see. Who knows." I mean, you know what? <laughs> e. McGregor probably said that after reading the uh, interview with Daisy Ridley. He was like, you know what? I don't want to be shot in the foot here. So I'm just going to say, we'll see. Yeah. And just go with the flow. Because you know what could happen? They'll do the first season. It's like the most... They, 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 it's, a, it's more uh, well-received than like The Mandalorian. They sell more stuff like than The Mandalorian series. And then sure enough, they're like, we're doing a season two. Yeah, so that's exactly what's gonna happen. Probably, yeah. I, I I think the only so here's what I'm thinking: the only way they do more Obi Wan stuff is if they make it an anthology series, and a season two would be like between episodes two and three, or one and two, or pre episode one. Like so, this this takes place after, but then like each season, if they want to do another season, because my thinking is this is gonna bridge the entire gap. Essentially, you're gonna see from this point, to right up probably to episode four. But if you want to do more with him, you still have the in-betweens for the prequel uh, trilogy. I mean, not really between episodes two and three. That's pretty well covered in Clone Wars. But you could definitely do some stuff with him training Anakin between one and two. Like, E. McGregor. There's like 12 years. Yeah, but between he's... Between one and two. But mm-hmm. it's, so there's a lot, there's a lot there. Yeah. That's, like and, ten ap- that's 10 seasons. And E. McGregor, of, uh, honestly, E. McGregor... Didn't hasn't aged that much, so like I think you could use prosthetics and CGI makeup and whatever and make him look a little bit like younger if you needed to, mm. or you could cat you know you could recast if you want to do pre episode one like him being trained by Qui Gon could be really interesting <gasps> and then even McGregor play Qui Gon that would really confuse people. No, you yeah. got to bring back Liam Neeson. He, no. Yeah. He's he's aged quite a bit. It doesn't matter. It will be quite he, a bit. He's wearing a wig the first time. He can wear a wig again. That's true. Uh, I uh, yeah. All that sounds nice. I I hope it's just one season of Obi Wan. To be honest, uh, like you said, we got a ton of Obi Wan in, in Clone Wars and uh, Clone Wars. Um, so uh, if you want your Obi Wan fix, go watch that show. You know, I'm that's true. I think I think one season of live action Ewan McGregor Obi Wan is really all we need. Uh, Ravi said it a few times now. I'd I like to explore some like different stuff. Let's go. Let's go old republic. Let's go. Let's go real zany. Let's go a thousand years in the future, right? Where there's not where the force doesn't even exist anymore, <laughs> and it's a family drama <laughs> about them trying to survive on an asteroid floating around Tatooine. You know, uh, it's, uh, random shit like that. No, that'll, that'll they, never happen. They but, have to create know. another desert planet. Oh, How many uh, desert planets do we have uh, now? Bakuin. Yes, it's a combination of Jakku. And Tatooine. Back away. Back away. Speaking, uh, so moving into other, uh, was it news things here? One thing that I think uh, Christian and I are really excited about, or Juna is probably going to get upset, uh, The Walking Dead 
It's finally ending? Oh, my God. Arjuna, how do you feel? Wait, your is favorite, this, is this your real? favorite show. Well, I, I just put it in because Ravi and I had a longstanding bet that The Walking Dead would not make it to 10 seasons. It made it past 10 seasons, and it's going to make it to its 11th and then end. Wow. So Ravi lost the bet by a two season. Se- no, wow. well, two, I guess two, two seasons, technically. technically. Uh, yes, yeah, so The Walking Dead is ending. Um, however... <laughs> They still are, they still have to air the season finale of this uh, season ten. They also have an additional eight episodes they're airing of season ten, which doesn't make sense to me. Like you're going to air your season finale and then additional episodes of the same season, a little confusing to me. And then they're doing like a super packed like I think twenty five or thirty episode season eleven. Holy shit! And ending it, and then they also announced they're doing two more spinoffs out outside of The Walking Dead. They're going to do a spinoff focused on. Uh, the two original survivors now, Carol and Daryl, um, in a, in the spinoff, and then they're doing a anthology Walking what? Dead type of series, which will have different people in the Walking Dead universe every episode, every few episodes. What about Fear the Walking Dead? Is that still going? Fear the Walking Dead is still going. They have that new two season one going with the kids. Wait, what's that? Um, it's like it's well, in the, the future, which is. That now Walking Dead Junior. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't, <laughs> I can't <laughs> even remember what the show is called, but I think I showed you guys the trailer because it came out of Comic Con and it was awful. Like it was. Really uh, let me bad. ask you the most important question around all of this news: Is Chris Hartwick's Talking Dead still a thing? I have no idea. Wow, I'm shocked. Honestly, because didn't he start as a? Didn't that start as a um. Like us, like a like a podcast or something, like a, or or a stream after every episode discussing it, and it became like a syndicated thing. No, it was it oh. was a thing AMC did. Oh, okay. And we weren't the first. And Chris Hardwick, Chris Hardwick um, was chosen as host because he he does a lot of nerdy stuff. He started out on G Four. Oh, okay. actually, no, he started out on MTV. Yeah, MTV with wow. uh, Christian Kristen McCarthy. What? I don't know. Yeah, so way back in the day. Okay. But anyway, congratulations. He had a drinking problem. Congratulations to me for winning $100 from Ravi. Ravi, you stole me that $100. It was a $100 bet? Sure. Pay it. No. Do it. <laughs> you, you owe me $100. Nobody's going to make bets with you unless you start paying off That's your losses. That's fine. I shouldn't be betting. G- gambling's bad for people. Don't do it. Uh, by the way, anyone uh, listening to this note. podcast, uh, at Ravi underscore Ramgopal <laughs> on Twitter and harass him until he pays me my $100. Uh, this is actually a good uh, a good point, a thing to point out that here on uh, What's It Good, we do like to gamble. Despite what Ravi just said, the Celtics are through onto the Eastern Conference Finals. We are two rounds away. If they are able to win, beat the Heat, the Eastern Conference Finals, and then probably the Lakers in the Finals, I will have to get a tattoo along with these two fools, and I will also win $700. Eight wins away. Gambling is good. Do it. That's all the Celtics need. Eight wins Boston away. Boston Celtics, if you get eight more wins and you hoist a trophy, Christian Ramgopal here will get a tattoo. And win $700. That's what I'm more interested in. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens there. And then the last bit of news. Well, is it really news? Wonder Woman 1984 has been delayed <laughs> for what feels like the 10th time. Yeah. Now it's been delayed for a Christmas release. Christmas Day. Well, that's not going to happen. What, what, why not just push it back to like next Christmas? Like you 20, know time when it's going to happen. You know? Once again, we believe, though, are they... Warner Brothers has not come out just flat out said we're pushing it back because of the subpar money situation of Tenant, have they? No, but that's the reasoning. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, if anyone that has half a brain, like, why, ooh, what, why'd they release Tenant? But they're never seeing Wonder Woman because they, they realize people don't want to die. 
go to oh, a movie that's theater shocking. and uh, you know see see this movie. Um, I mean, it, it makes sense. It's great. It's great. We do have one more piece of news, um, based off of uh, Lovecraft Country's Jonathan Majors. There's a rumor out there that he is joining the MCU. Uh, he is potentially going to be cast in the third Ant-Man movie as Kang. The Conqueror. The Conqueror. Who is... Drumroll, please. A time traveler? A time traveler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, more specifically... You, you know who Kang was, Krishna? No, no I don't know who that's Kang was. That's why I had a drum roll. Well, he told me before. <laughs> so, oh, Kang, so Kang the Conqueror, his big thing is he's a time traveler from the future. Oh, he's blue. Who comes back, goes back in time to specifically eliminate Steve Rogers because Steve Rogers, Captain America, <laughs> fucks with the timeline. Nice. And we know at the end of Avengers Endgame... Steve Rogers fucks with the, the timeline. timeline. <laughs> it's not a game theory. So it's very likely that they uh, we were set up essentially to see a Kang the Conqueror. Um, two things that stick out right right away. Kang the Conqueror, I've always thought, is a really interesting villain because he he's kind of he's not anti-hero. He is villain. He's very clear in terms of what he wants to do, which is eliminate so and so to fix his timeline. So his people, his family, they don't get destroyed, et cetera. Mm. Which is a somewhat noble thing to do, but obviously eliminating others to do it, it's kind of a dick move. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the big one, you know, Jonathan Majors playing, you know, Kang mm. is amazing. I mean, this guy has had a probably the best summer that anyone could ask for. <laughs> yeah. He the had best, a, the best twenty twenty. Like seriously, he yeah. he had Defy Bloods, which is a great, you know, Spike Lee film. He's killing it in Lovecraft Country. He is potentially going to be part of MCU, playing a really badass villain. And yeah. I would theorize that Kang is like the next Thanos. Like, I don't think he's just going to appear in Ant Man and the Wasp Three. He's that a fucking be, time traveler. Yeah. I hope not. Yeah, I, I would assume this is this is going to be start. They're starting to sow the seeds of like the next big bads within the MCU. And I is think there a, uh, I think he's he, he might be a contender. Is there any um is there in in comic book lore? Is there any connection between Kang and Kroll and Scree and? Or oh yeah, big time. Oh, boom! So that's yeah. perfect. Now. Yeah, he, there's there's connects all over the place because they're they're in everything. The now. the only thing that I ask, <laughs> I have yes. one one thing because there was another awesome villain and another awesome actor that was didn't work at all. That it, it didn't work out not because of the actor, <laughs> it's because of what they did. A little villain called Just Apocalypse. <laughs> oh, uh, played by played by the great Oscar Isaacs, and Oscar oh. Isaac is a great fucking actor, right? He okay. does he does creepy villain really really well. He does like awesome good guy really well. In between, he he's a great actor, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, they threw so much fucking prosthetic. On the poor man's face. You couldn't even tell it was Oscar Isaac. They modulated his voice. And he was just this stiff, disgusting rubber of a man. Wasn't a good villain. So I, I mean, really hope with Kang... That's not... That's that. The whole movie was garbage. Uh, you can't just... You know, it wasn't just that he was the worst part of that movie. The, the whole movie... Well, no, I'm, really say, I'm saying a big part of it was the prosthetic and what oh, they did okay. to the oh, character. Oh, you mean just the look of it. Yeah, okay. just don't... With, my, with Jonathan Majors, you know, potentially playing Kang... Just don't load him up with prosthetic. Do something similar to what you did with Josh Brolin and Thanos. Use that tech. That's fine. It's acceptable. Well, the nice thing is, you know, this do that. Is Disney and it's not Fox doing it because Fox did obviously um, X Men <laughs> and uh, Disney bought Fox and dissolved most of their production studios. So we're fine. 
Mm. In theory. Maybe. They weren't. <laughs> they weren't. Fox, breaking. Fox takes over all MCU. Oh, yeah, yeah. Before we end, I would just like to shout out um, friends of the podcast, The Creative Bazaar. Uh, since COVID-19 started, a lot of artists, uh, self-employed artists and creatives have been found their businesses hit pretty hard. So thecreativebazaar.com, and bazaar is B-A-Z-A-A-R, thecreativebazaar.com is a collection of these artists and creatives who have put their heads together and have organized a virtual craft fair that happens to occur right at the start of the holiday shopping season. So if you go to this website, thecreativebazaar.com, uh, on November 7th, uh, guests will be able to see live events of how-to videos uh, of these artists. Um, they'll also be selling their uh, their designs, their their art, and 10% of those proceeds will go to the Equal Justice Initiative, which is a nonprofit law firm that provides legal representation to those who have been illegally convicted unfairly sentenced or abused in state jails and prisons. It's the firm that was uh, in um, Just Mercy. So 10% of all proceeds go to that. Really cool little thing. CreativeBazaar.com, November 7th. You should check it out. Nice. The end. The end? The end of my plug. Wow. Well, that's a good plug. Was it? No. And, with Chris's, <laughs> and with Chris's poorly delivered plug, we end this podcast. You bitch. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Was It Good, on Instagram at Was It Good BTM, and on twitch.tv slash Was It Good, where most Mondays we live stream this on that Twitch channel as well as our food dude on Fridays. Good day. Goodbye.